You're listening to a Military Life Media podcast. Hi, I'm Beck Rayner and this is the Military Life Podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, informs and embraces the spouses beside the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. There's everyday life, then there's a life in defence. There's nothing else quite like it. And for me, there's no other bank that understands this the way Defence Bank does. With products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses, 30 on-base branches across Australia and an award-winning banking app, they just get defence. But don't take my word for it. Others agree, in fact, they were recently awarded Defence Services Bank of the Year by We Money, a unique bank for a life like no other. Visit defencebank.com.au today to find out more. Ooh. What are you doing? <laughs> Let's go drink. I'm walking on the moon. <laughs> Sorry, is that distracting? Anyway, no, it's fine. <clears throat> All right, let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, my husband, my ADF member, Scott. You need to unmute yourself, Scott. Hey. <laughs> oh, hello. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> oh, hi. It's great to be back. For those who may not have listened to our past episodes or might be new to the military life community, a little background. Scott and I have been together for 21 years, married for 16 of those. Our current MWDU or Earthing Unaccompanied Resident Family Posting, as it's called now, is about to come to an end. It is our fifth posting doing MWDU. 11 of our 21 years have been spent living apart and of those, five of the last seven years have been MWDU. So with all of that being said, I thought I would check in to talk about how this year has gone for us and talk about thoughts around what the coming months look like for our family. So I guess, Scott, when we recorded last, we were six months into this posting and the overall feel was that it was going well and that um, MWDU was working for our family. Can you talk about, I guess, the last year has been like for us, how it's gone after that um, initial six-month check-in? Definitely started to drag on, uh, which isn't unexpected. I mean, we we actually said that um, that last time that I, I thought about, you know, midway through this year that would have been getting pretty tired of it. And um, I think that was that was true, particularly around, uh, probably around September. So it was a little bit later because um, I guess... Work has actually been, I've, I've had quite a few fun things going on at work this year. So I guess I've been distracted from that. But no, I am starting to get sick of it now. And I think when I actually had that uh, little car incident uh, driving back uh, to Canberra from Nowra and I uh, I hit that wombat, it, it was a dead wombat. So just so everyone knows, I didn't kill a wombat, but it was in the middle of the lane. I couldn't avoid it with the car coming the other way. But um, I think I was a bit more disciplined uh, driving back in the past where I'd go a little bit earlier in daylight. I'd drive uh, quite a bit slower, like under the speed limit, like, you know, and uh, normally I'd drive about 10 below um, the actual speed limit just so I could stop within the headlight distance. And I think when I actually hit that one, bad part of the reason would have been because, well, I really didn't want to go back to Canberra. Um, it was a bit later at night because I wanted to stay at home a bit longer and I was sort of just jacked doing all the driving. So I was probably driving a bit faster, still within the speed limit, of course. But driving it faster than what I would normally have done to, in those conditions, just sort of, yeah, so definitely done with that. Yeah, and I guess that incident as well, because the follow-on from that was that you were without a car for a couple of months and 
for anyone who doesn't know, there's there's no easily accessible public transport between Canberra and Nowra. So it was quite hard working out logistics of you getting home and, you know, we had to hire cars and you had to have them back by a certain time. So that also cut down our family time. So that was kind of just like the nail in the coffin kind of thing, just to to say, you know, there's nothing to say that in two weeks' time that a kangaroo might jump out in front of the car once it was fixed and we wouldn't be going through that all over again. So it, I guess it was a little bit of a reality check of is that extra danger and, you know, time apart worth it? The other factor of it was um, because it has been quite an exciting year for me um, professionally, like with the, with the job, it's been a little bit, and this is my concern, this is, this is, this is coming from me, how it felt like our lives were diverging a little bit too much. Um, you know, where Charlotte's graduating year six, you're going really good with the podcast. I mean, you know, um, being nominated for uh, more awards and such this year. And I, I was focusing very much on my professional as well. And it just felt like we were, you know, it was the physical separation. And then we're also going down different paths. And I don't think we need, it doesn't need to be that way. Like I was, it sort of made me think about, okay, so what's actually keeping you guys in NARA? I love the house and all that type of deal. Um, but I mean, do I really expect that I'd go back there for my work? You know, and it was the girl, girl's school, but we've got an opportunity with Charlotte graduating year six. Also, not to put Evie on the back burner type of deal, but the next opportunity would have been when she graduated year six, I guess. It just seemed like the reasons to be apart weren't as strong as the reasons to be together. And then, you know, so as I go on the next stage of my career, and as they go on this next stage of their education and their development as kids, as you go into your next bigger and better things with military life and your path, we could at least be co-located so we could share stories in person rather than try and talk over um, Facebook, which, you know, particularly, you know, when the girls are tired, they don't really want to talk much. I might not want to talk that much myself over Facebook. Yeah, it'd be easier if we were in the one house as we go through this journey. Yeah, I think with what you just said, where it sort of felt like we had started to veer apart kind of because our lives were getting so busy in what we were all individually doing and then having the separation of not being in the one household. So not easily being able to connect and having to put that extra effort into connecting with, you know, messenger and typing out detailed emails or messages or whatever it is, that extra effort, obviously we'll go to that extra effort to stay connected, but it was when our lives are so busy in the first instance with everything I'm doing and then also solo parenting most of the time and the girls have busy lives and they're getting older. So, you know, older kids with bigger problems, bigger kids. Um, and then like you mentioned, you've had exciting stuff happening with with your career and some unexpected pivots, I guess, this year and which required a little bit of change unexpectedly just meant that we could sense that we're all sort of going in different directions and because we're not tied together in the one household, that was putting that extra strain on us. Yeah, 100%. So we didn't know what your next posting was going to be when we checked in and did the podcast last year because we were only six months into your two-year posting. And we were, I guess, kind of in this in-between holding pattern, in-between stage of like this naive bubble of not having to 100%, I guess, think of the potential big changes that might be ahead for our family, even though we had skirted the idea of if we are going to move to Canberra because you are not going to get posted back to us, these would be the 
ideal times to do it. Like you mentioned at the end of year six, when Charlotte was about to start high school. And if we miss that opportunity, then the next opportunity wouldn't be until, because we would want to give Evie the same opportunity to graduate with her friends. So then the next opportunity wouldn't have been for another three years. So when we checked in, we were sort of like, well, there could potentially be some big changes happening, but we don't have to think about that yet because we don't know your next posting. So yeah, I guess it was something that was always sitting in the back of our minds last year, but something could just sort of say, oh, that's a problem for another day. Yeah, for sure. I guess I was um, just waiting for levels of uncertainty to reduce. I mean, they never disappear. But I guess when I initially got that uh, the first posting to uh, CTMP for a year, I mean, that gave a little bit of certainty. And I think um, that was a good prompt to move on it. And actually, uh, I, I guess I'd also spent the last six months a bit of a guilty age, you know, keep talking about my career, my career type of deal. But honestly, that you know, because the career is going to affect where we're located. It was over the last the 12 months after uh, our last interview, a few things consolidated as, as far as what my uh, professional aspirations are and also ability to look at uh, what potential opportunities are there and how likely those opportunities were before we actually you know jump off. It seemed to be we should take that opportunity. Like I mentioned, when we checked in last year, we had in the back of our mind that you know there could be a possibility that we would all have to relocate to Canberra because ultimately we at some point would want to be back together if you weren't going to be posted back to us. But we can talk through possible postings all we want, but until you get the news and in writing and it's definite trying to work out potential scenarios, but it's nothing set in stone. Did you feel any pressure to, I guess, figure out what the next few years would look like for you because of the fact that we had both agreed that if we're going to make that big move, it has to be at the end of this year or we're going to miss the boat and then it won't be for another three years. That would potentially mean more years apart and potential of impacting how solid our family unit were and our relationship and things like that. So did you feel any pressure to like, I need to like somehow get this figured out or get an answer from someone or get some sort of set path sooner rather than later? Yeah, I probably wouldn't call it pressure because I feel pretty comfortable with the amount of influence I could have as far as location goes anyway. I think it was mainly internal. Uh, and I guess this is this is where I feel a bit selfish. I consider myself mid-career. So I'm, I'm still good for another you know, 16, 17 years, I think I've got before this compulsory retirement age. And it made me think, uh, you know, what's holding us in Nara? I thought in a more selfish sense about what holds me to Nara and what would excite me professionally to, in Nara. And it, I sort of came to the conclusion that um, I'd do it, but it'd be to do a job that most of the things that would excite me professionally are actually down here in Canberra. That said, that wasn't the full resolution of the conflict. The other half of the conflict was, uh, how do I give stability to you guys? And uh, what's the stability for the family? Uh, what's the best situation to uh, grow a pair of kids, uh, the, the house and, and all of that? So I would have stayed on the balance in my own mind. I had to come to a balance. And, I, you know, we spoke about it as well. So, you know, shared you. So I didn't want to, I wasn't make. I didn't feel pressured as if I was making the decision totally. I was really just, really just feeling internally conflicted about what my opinion, because, you know, it's a it's a pairing. It's a, we've got a partnership going here. It, it was more about my internal conflict on what my preference was in, in how we lived. But but ultimately, sort of my internal conflict came out going, you know what, I, I am actually confident I'm not, I don't want to move us down to Canberra just for me and my job, that there is benefit for our family, that I think there is greater opportunity down here or socially and education-wise, I think there is still plenty of opportunity and benefit up in Nara. However, I, I didn't feel confident that I could do unaccompanied much longer as we approach teenage years with the kids. 
I didn't feel that I'd be doing being the best father I wanted to be. And so as it turned out, you actually ended up getting word about your next posting earlier than we had expected. What were your first thoughts when you got the news? I was excited and I thought, oh, this is awesome. This is great. But then I also tempered that and thought, oh, okay, sort of I need to temper that before I speak to you guys. I knew it'd be a different context. Uh, the, the the concept of it, you guys would have a different perspective. I mean, you know, um, it, it would be the amount of change uh, required uh, was greater for you, given that, you know, like, like you're saying, like I've um, I've bounced in an hour for the last 13 years uh, where you guys have stayed there. Also knew that the fact that if we were to move, move down there and that likelihood is like, how do we tell the kids and telling, uh, talking to Evie and Charlotte about uh, moving house and moving away from where they're the only place that they've ever known. So yeah, it, it, I made sure I took a bit of a pause to temper my excitement at the professional prospects of it because yeah, it's a team effort and you've got to, t- you've got to take appreciation for the perspectives of, of you guys because it's not the same as what I have. The positives, I guess, of finding out ahead of the normal posting cycle was that we were able to access DHA at a time when it wasn't peak time. And that meant we were able to lock in a house in an area that we'd already, you know, because we'd been discussing it, we'd already researched which areas we would potentially like to buy in or, you know, if there were DHA properties available, uh, lock in a property in one of those suburbs because we sort of had a little idea about the area and because that, you know, one of the benefits of you already living in Canberra meant that we had been able to get a feel for different areas and drive to, you know, visit different areas when we were down visiting as a family kind of thing. And it sort of felt like when we got that news earlier than expected and then were able to access DHA, that it was sort of like a sign that we were doing the right thing. What were you sort of thinking when, as soon as you found out earlier it was kind of all all systems go with like DHJ and like locking in a house and you know getting things happening before we'd you know talk to the girls and stuff like that. We were working all those things out in the background. I thought I oh, yeah, get the ball rolling. I was thinking of you know uh, fairly slow momentum and uh, we've got six months to sort that out. But um, yeah, so it was good that you know, go on DHJ, see what's about. You know, probably have a look around for three months, pick the best one. That first one came up. Eh, one of the next one looks like, but. The- then after what you found out through your um, through your network and um, <laughs> uh, you said lock it in, lock it in, lock it in, and I'm glad you did because um, <laughs> I probably would have faffed about with it. Oh, we might buy. Then I sort of how do you how do you sell a house again and you buy straight up? Do you normally spend the time like how does that work? And so you know do you have to buy after settlement and what if you don't buy find a place? And oh, I'm sure this would be right. But um, yeah, I'm glad you locked it in. Otherwise, if we're at this point and we hadn't locked that in, uh, we'd have a whole lot of extra uncertainties. There'd be balls up in the air and stuff dropping on the ground. And yeah, it'd be horrible. It's probably worth noting that um, it, it is hard because we're going from going back to a DHA property. I have to admit, I, I didn't think I'd be quite so hesitant about that. You, you sort of, I guess, after not using a DHA property, you sort of got a bit uh, got a bit of rose-tinted goggles on on the memories of that. But that said, I'd still like to buy in the next 12 to 18 months. Moving is a normal an expected part of defence life. But for us and the girls, the girls and I have always stayed put while you posted and we did MWDU. So you've always, like you mentioned, been the one that's, you know, been moving to Sydney, moving to Canberra, moving back here, moving back to Canberra kind of thing, which means that for 13 years I've been in the one location. The girls have only ever known this home, one school, same set of friends. Do you think that in a sense has made it harder despite during those 13 years 
it being easier for us to stay and have the same support network and have that consistency. And obviously there's been lots of reasons why we would we have chosen MWU each time. Otherwise we would have posted with you. But in saying that, do you think that uprooting me and and the girls from a location where we've been for 13 years and the girls, like I mentioned, have been their whole lives was made that little bit harder because we haven't been a typical defence family who have posted and moved around frequently with you. For sure. And real, we did move around a lot. Like in the first few years we were together, I think just in the first five years we moved, like uh, at one point, one of us was moving every six months. And to be honest, it, it, it wasn't that hard. I guess we had much less stuff. Yeah. I, and I think a lot of the whole moving thing is just the plain stress of what might happen. So I think that's probably what hit us the most. It's the unknown. It's the uncertainty. Moving before kids wasn't a big deal because we just had to consider both of us and, okay, this is going to be good for both of us or this is the best option for us at the moment. So, okay, let's do it. Let's lock it in. Okay. There wasn't that extra layer. There's so much more to consider when there's there's kids involved and you have to tread lightly around how you do that and the timing of that and, you know, all all of the different things. Whereas, you know, it's it's not as complicated for adults just to go, okay, we've made that decision, so let's make it happen kind of thing. I totally underestimated the the additional work and stress and fuss of schools. Yeah. Particularly when you go in an area you go, oh, they're all pretty fancy, I guess, but you just don't know. Yeah, because ultimately this is the only home they've ever known. So it is that little bit more of a big deal for them to be moving and uprooting everything they know kind of thing. So if we're going to do it, we want to do it well. So there's that sort of, I guess, and every defence family want to do it well, obviously. But I think those that move every two years and kids that move every two years, that little bit it doesn't make it any easier but I guess they're a little bit more experienced and they they know the process kind of thing and it's a little bit more comfortable because they know they've done it before whereas the girls have never had to do this before they've never had to move schools make new friends you know all of the things so we wanted to make sure that we handled it in a way that was going to give us as a family and them individually the best outcome because you know ultimately you worry that you're going to stuff it up and then cause them emotional trauma and you know have a lasting impact on on them into teenage years and into adulthood kind of thing so it's like you know we're just trying to figure it out how to do it the best way possible so that you know we all come out of it unscathed yeah it's, it's a bit funny like i have to admit i'm trying to be as sympathetic as i can but um it really throws me like you know because being an army brat myself I, I moved around a fair bit like you know even before dad joined the uh, the regular army he was a um you know worked in the mines or he's a truckie so we moved around a fair bit around townsville and greenvale and things anyway and i didn't really have a problem with it however my social context is completely different to um charlotte and eb and that that's more than just a gender thing that i had the uh the so- social characteristics of an engineer from a very young age but in saying that i think I've done a good job in talking you through why it's probably not the best idea to compare their potential experiences with your experience, but then also you've done a good job in pulling back from trying to relate their experience with your experience as a defence kid because obviously, like you said, different time, you had different you know, opportunities and a different way of looking at it and, you know, you're a different personality to that. Like, you know, there's all these variables that you can't sort of just lump them in with, well, I was okay, so they should be okay kind of thing. And I think we've both done a good job at recognising that they're both going to have their individual experiences with this and we shouldn't be forcing any type of typical experience or what they should be feeling or how they should be coping or how they should be reacting to 
the news and then obviously what followed and getting ready to actually move and all all that comes with it sort of thing. So do you think the way that we've handled the girls and, and the move for them has been as best we could have? Like, do you think there was anything that we could have done better or that we should have thought about more or we could be supporting them better? Like, is there anything you think that we missed? Nothing has come to light yet. I think we did it in a well-considered way. I think the tip that you got not to not to try and sell it to them straight away, I think that was a brilliant idea. I think that provided them a lot more ownership in the process, a lot more, it almost gave them a bit more of a feeling of being a stakeholder, in a whole, which they are a stakeholder, but a bit more influence in how, how it will go down. Um, so, you know, present them with a situation that they can't have any influence over, like we're moving. So let them deal with that. But rather than try and sell it going, oh, no, no, it'd be great. So sort of let them get have the time to take the hit of something has got to happen that you have no control over. Don't say it like that because that's not what the, it was like. You more so say it, oh, that, no, no, you know, no. presented it in the sense that this is the decision we've made for our family and that decision is not going to change as opposed to deal with it. <laughs> that's oh, not no, how yeah, it works. Yeah, that is, that is like, but, but ultimately, in a sensitive way, presenting them a situation that's going to happen. So, something is going to happen and, you know, let them – let them process that and before we try to sell it to them. So when they're ready to start looking for the silver lining on that cloud, when they're starting to look forward to the positives and things, it was good to give them that time. I think you're right. It was important not to try and do the hard sell too quick. Otherwise, you're trying to, you know, if you put too many bells and whistles on it, it uh, gives the impression you're trying to sell it uh, as opposed to, you know, helping someone come to a realisation there are benefits. As I am conscious with the military life community and making sure that spouses aren't lumped into a category where this spouse was able to deal with it or this group of spouses have been able to deal with this situation in the past, so you should therefore be able to deal with it and giving everyone that opportunity to have their individual experience, even though, you know, there's common themes that we all experience, but giving people the time and space to be able to have their own experience within that, as opposed to being lumped in with why aren't you dealing with that? Because other people in the past have dealt with that fine. You need to be more resilient. So I was conscious, you know, leading up to telling the girls that even with family members and, you know, talking through the school with it, with the school council and things like that, to ensure that no one spoke about the move and, you know, all of the changes that would be coming up for them in a way where they needed to just suck it up and other people of defence families have done this for all of time and you'll be no different and it'll just work out and it's exciting and you'll be fine and everyone makes friends and you'll just work it out kind of thing because that doesn't necessarily help the situation when everything is scary and seems hard and everything's going to be new and just telling me that everything's going to be fine doesn't necessarily cut it. Yeah, for sure. It's like like a change management where you know you need to get everyone involved to accept the need for a change accept the reason for the change accept the inevitability <laughs> or the fact that the change is going to happen and the time frame that it will happen in but that's when they can people can start getting ownership of it as well like and you know kids being little people being to actually uh, accept and take ownership on how we all respond to that change uh, and by having a contribution and influence on how we all respond they can better manage how they respond themselves at their personal response to it and you know in saying all of that given the option the option if i had have had the emotional capacity to move at the start of 2023 and the stars had aligned and you know charlotte wasn't at a pivotal uh year of schooling with year six and 
the timing was right for the girls, I would have taken the option to move at the start of 2023 because I, like you said earlier, there's been that, I guess, pull and that feeling for probably the last 12 months that we're all kind of getting too busy and going separate and it's becoming more of an effort to be MWDU than it should be and that my gut has been telling me for the last 12 months that we needed to be back together, which made it extremely hard because the only reason we weren't back together because I was ready to be back together was staying for the girls because it wasn't the right timing for them. But that made it hard for me to be able to continue doing MWDU, continue doing everything with the girls and, you know, being solo and then, you know, your work ramped up. So we had less time together and, you know, doing all the things without some level of resentment building behind all of that because all I wanted to do was be back together as a family and I'm probably going to get emotional now. You know, there were some things, some big things that happened last year that I had to deal with solo, even though, you know, you're always there to support me through things and we, you know, we discuss things as as parents together and things like that. But ultimately, the majority of the time I am by myself and a lot of the time, you know, because I work for myself and I work from home. I don't, sometimes I don't see another adult or speak to another adult for the whole week. And so ultimately, you know, you can FaceTime as much as you want and you can make sure that you stay as a team and, uh, you know, checking in with each other and, and dealing with situations that come up with the kids and with, you know, the house or whatever it is. But ultimately at the end of the day, you are by yourself doing it alone a lot of the time. So it's been extremely hard for the last 12 months knowing that I don't want to do this by myself anymore, but not being able to make that decision because we needed to put the girls first. Even though we share the load, you know, via email, FaceTime, whatever, we know that we're, you know, trying to co-parent, you know, the best we can, but ultimately I am the one that needs to carry that weight and physical load of the family is carried on my shoulders, even though, you know, you don't want me to carry that 100%. It's just location-wise and capacity-wise and it's just the reality of MWDU. I so hope you were able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarylife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 